It says in this week's Pasha, in Pasha's Korach, um, the Torah says, Kol Peter Rechem, anything that clears the womb, basically, the Kol Basar, for any, any flesh that will be brought close to Hashem, whether it be a person or be an animal, it should be to you. However, you have to redeem it. Whether it's firstborn, skipping a little bit, how much will it be? It will be the worth it should be five shkolim. So the Torah, in this week's Pasha, we have a mitzvah. The mitzvah is, is that if we have a son who is the firstborn, there is a mitzvah to redeem the son. And the way that one redeems him is one has to provide the weight of five shkolim to a coin as redemption money. There is a dispute amongst the authorities exactly how many silver dollars that equals to. Some say it's four, some say it's five, some say it's six. However, you can, as I did for my son, buy special coins that are weighted specifically to the amount that say on them, Pidyan Aben, that are pure silver in the Swarm Star. So, um, we had those coins until the robbery happens in the house, and now we don't have them anymore, but... Life goes on, Baruch Hashem. So, so that's that, that's the mitzvah, and the mitzvah is is to redeem your firstborn son on the thirtieth day after the first day that they are born. Basically, that means that one has to redeem their son on the thirty-first day after they are born. There's a mitzvah to do a ceremony, which one can find in their local sitter, and redeem their firstborn son. That is on the 31st day. So the, the Code of Law says in Code number 369, the Code of Law says that one, is not, one cannot perform a Pidyan Aben, one cannot perform this mitzvah on Shabbos. It's called a Pidyan Aben, the redemption of the firstborn, to a mitzvah to redeem your firstborn. So one cannot perform this mitzvah on Shabbos. That's the, 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 that is the law. Why is one not allowed to perform this mitzvah on Shabbos? Because it looks like, it looks like you're doing business. And since one is not allowed to do business on Shabbos, therefore one is not allowed to do the Pidyan Abed. So the commentary of the Chavit Chaim in, in the Mishnah Brewer says that of course the Code of Law is not telling us that you cannot take five dollars, five silver dollars and give it to the Kohen. The reason why it's not telling us is because it's simple. Of course, we all know that money is muktzah on Shabbos. We all know that money is set aside for, for not, not to be used on Shabbos. It is in the category of muktzah, which means that one is not allowed to move it. One is not allowed to move it on Shabbos. So therefore, one would not think that one can actually use money to redeem their firstborn on the 30th day? Right? Of course, it doesn't mean that. What it means is, what it means is, is that if you have, let's say, a silver becher, you have a silver cup, or you have some block of silver of some sort somewhere around your house that is equivalent to the weight of these five shkolim, 
or these silver dollars. And it is not moksa because you use it to uh, drink punch out of or whatever, right? Or to make kiddish with. That you cannot give to the coin. Because it looks like it's similar to that you're doing business. Right? So therefore we can establish as follows. That if the 31st day after your firstborn son is born is Shabbos, one cannot perform the pinyon haben, one cannot perform this mitzvah on Shabbos. You have to wait until Sunday, until the 32nd day. And you can't take something which is the equivalent of a weight in silver to five flame as the prescription is in our parsha, because it looks like you are doing business. That's the that is the the, the, the issue that we are going to that we are going to speak about tonight. Okay? And that issue will, will lead into the into the uh, the title of the of our discussion. And that is whether one is allowed to own a vending machine that is oper- that operates on Shabbos, and is also is one allowed to have a website that functions on Shabbos. People purchase one does co- commerce. People purchase from the website, from the from the uh, mailbox, or whatever it's called, the checkout mailbox on Shabbos is one allowed to do that. The 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 discussion will the discussion about these issues will stem from this discussion. And it goes something like this. The Mishnah Barura says, one second here, I have a solution of how one can do a Pinyin Aben on Shabbos. What's my solution? Go to the Kohen, right? Go to the Kohen and say, Mr. Kohen, right? Go to Bill. Say, Bill, Bill, Mr. Kohen, Dr. Kohen, Go to him on Friday, take the five coins, and give him the five coins, and say, I want to be poda, I want to redeem my son. However, I don't want that the transaction should be effective until Shabbos. Uh, let's get rid of all the business aspects of it, right? We'll, we'll, we'll do the money, we'll sign a contract, we'll take care of everything, right? But I want the actual transference of property and ownership, the actual redemption of my firstborn to take place on Shabbos. This way, while I'm uh, sitting at my Shabbos table, I'm eating my, my chalant and singing zmiros, right, and not worried about commerce at all on Shabbos, the Pidyan Aben will take place. That's what the Mishnah Bura says. I have, I have a solution. So the Mishnah Bura says you can't do that. Why? Because there's also a requirement that one has to say a bracha. One has to recite a blessing on the Pidyan Aben. And one cannot recite a, a, a blessing on the Pidyan Aben when nothing is happening. One has to proceed, proceed with the blessing only when one will follow with an action. But if one is not going to follow an action, if nothing is going to happen, then on Friday you can't say the blessing. You can't say the bracha on Friday. And you can't say the bracha on Shabbos when the acquisition takes effect. Because then I'm not doing anything. The acquisition is taking effect on its own. That's what the Mishnah Brewer says. And therefore, one, not, one cannot do a pidyon aben on Shabbos. That's his claim. And this is, of course, the quotation. This is not the Mishnah Brewer's own uh, um, analysis. 
But it is a quotation from the famous response of the Truma Foundation. So, <coughs> that seems to be the final word. The, um, there's a very famous rabbi by the name of Rabbi Akiva Eger. Rabbi Akiva Eger wrote Responsa, and his, he, he asks the following question in Responsa number 159. He asks the following question. He says, can one do business, can one affect a, an acquisition on Shabbos before Shabbos? That's his first question in the Responsa. In other words, let's say, I want to buy a car. No, I want to buy a cow. I want to buy a cow in Texas. I want to buy a cow, right? But I can't. I, I can't uh, for some reason, whatever reason, I want. I want the acquisition of the cow to be on Shabbos. Okay, so I'm going to. What we're going to do is, is that the buyer will tell the seller. The buyer will tell the seller, "I'm going to give you the money now on Friday, and the acquisition should take effect on Shabbos." Can one do that? That's that's his question. Sounds very similar, right? That's, that's his question. Question number two he asks is, question number two he asks is, is one allowed to put a condition into the acquisition? Now, let's say we, 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 we are up a contract. I don't know if this happens. I don't know if anybody is familiar with, uh, with American law, right? And uh, we make a transaction, right? Let's say I go to a car dealer and I want to I make a conditional sale. The conditional sale is, uh, okay, I want to buy your car. So I, I, I write you a check for $50,000 for, uh, for your Toyota or your Nissan or whatever it may be, right? And I say, I write in the contract of sale the following condition. The, the, the sale will take effect if I eat my cholent on Shabbos and have kishka too, okay? If I do that, then the sale will take effect. Can... Now, what do I do? So I go on Shabbos, and I eat my cholent, and I eat my kishka. So when, is the acquisition, when does the acquisition take place? On Shabbos, because that's when I fulfill the contingency of the contract. In other words, can one go through the motions of doing a sale, of, of, of doing a business deal with a condition, and then fulfill that condition on Shabbos, so that the once the... the, the, the um, once the acquisition, once the condition is fulfilled, the acquisition will take place on Shabbos. Can one do that? That's the question. Okay, that, that's his question. So maybe yes, maybe no. Okay? Now, here, this is the only part of, the, uh, of, of our discussion which will get a little bit complex. And uh, he, at first, he has a very simple proof. To, to his answers. And he says like this. He says, look, there is a Truman Sardeshin about Pidyan Aben. There is the responder that we just learned about redeeming your firstborn son. What does he say? He says that he asks the question, can I redeem my firstborn son on Friday and have the redemption take place on Shabbos? So he says, no, I can't. Why not? Because I have to say a blessing on the Pidyan Aben. So that implies what? That implies that if I didn't have to say the blessing, then I would be able to give the five coins to the coin and have the redemption take place on Shabbos. What's the only reason that I can't do it? Because 
I have to say the blessing. But if I didn't have to say the blessing, there seems to be nothing wrong with the apparatus of the acquisition. That can, it can happen. Right? Does everybody agree with the inference? So says Rabbi Akiva Eger, therefore, 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 we can infer from here, from this case, from the redeeming of the firstborn son, that one is allowed to set in motion an acquisition that will take place on Shabbos. If it's a redeeming of your first son, you can't do it because you have to say a blessing. But if you're buying a cow in Texaco, then you can't do it because you don't have to say a blessing. That's his, uh, that's his initial proof. That he brings a, a, a proof. Now you see where we're headed now. We started with Pidyan Aben and we're soon going to, we're traveling along the way to our vending machine and eventually to the internet. Okay, we will see. We will see if we'll be able to clarify that question. Let's first let's um, let's first get to the discussion. Then we'll see what the issue is with that question. Okay, fine. Now, now here we get to the complicated part, but uh, it's not so bad. We'll try 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 to uh, make it as simple as possible. Then he brings another proof that he says, or he quotes another proof to his question that seems to indicate the opposite. The proof is as follows. We all know that on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol performs a service in the temple, as it is described in full detail in Parshas Akrimos in Vayikra. Right? And we know there's a tractate of Mishnah and Talmud called Tractate Yuma that is devoted to the laws involved in the Kohen Gadol service and other service that was done in the temple on Yom Kippur. That's what we know. That was the main focus of Yom Kippur was the service, the avoda of the Kohen Gadol. So one of the things that the Kohen Gadol had to do, one of the things that the high priest had to do was to achieve an atonement for himself, achieve an atonement for his family, and also achieve an atonement for his, for the, all, all, the Jew, all of the Jewish people. Fine. So the fact that he had to achieve an atonement for his family implies that he has to be married when he does the temple service. That's what the, the, that's what the first mission says in Tractate Yuma. So therefore, therefore, we have to make sure that he's married. Whether he's married or not, he has to be married when it comes time to do the service. Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that not only does he have to be married, but there has to be also a deputy wife, a designated wife, like a designated hitter. She has to be ready, big wife, because since the Kohen Gadol has to perform the temple service on Yom Kippur, and he has to be married when he performs the temple service, what happens if his wife, in the middle of the temple service, passes away. Right? So there has to be a designated wife, just in case she passes away. That's what the Mishnah says. First Mishnah. Right? This is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. However, the Talmud is not happy with this. Because the Talmud says, yes, it's true that he has to be married, but since the Torah says the words, v'chiper ba'ado ba'abbeso, that he has to achieve atonement for his wife. 
and himself. That means that he has to only have one wife. So therefore, he can't be married to two women at the same time when he's doing the temple service. He can only be married to one. But if he's going to be married to one, what happens if she passes away? Then, then you won't have another one. So we have a dilemma. That's the question. The Talmud is trying to figure out what the Torah wants. The Torah wants that the Kohen God will have to achieve atonement for his family. What happens if he doesn't have a family? So then he can't, he can't do the service. Because there's a requirement to achieve an atonement for your family. Well, you say your family because he's mother and father. No, it means, the Talmud says it means his wife. Okay. Right? It means his wife. So therefore we have a dilemma. If he has one wife, what happens if she dies? If he has two wives, he can't. He only has to have one. Because the Torah specifically says he has to have one. So this is what the, the Talmud has. The Talmud has this issue. So the Talmud, now, I'm going to try to, to get this straight. To have clarity. The Talmud comes up with the following solution. Ready? He marries both two wives, or he marries, he stays married to his to the wife that he has, and then he marries another woman, and then he has to give them a writ of divorce, the both of them, with a contingency. One wife he gives a contingent, uh, 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 the contingency that he puts into the divorce is, you are divorced to me, if you are divorced to me retroactively before the service takes place if you die in the middle of the service. Right? The other wife, he gives her, he says to her, you are divorced to me if I, whatever it is, I walk into a shul. Okay? So he marries the both of them and then he divorces the both of them. So what happens? Now, when he comes to the end of the service, if no dies, if none of the none of the, the two women die, mm-hmm. he'll walk into the shul, and one wife will be retroactively divorced from him, and he was married during the temple service. He was only married to one person. Mm-hmm. But what if the, the second wife doesn't want to give him a gift, a, a divorce, or what have you? But then he, he can't do the service. Not a question what she wants. The question is how do we work out the mathematics that this will work, right? If they don't want to, they don't want to. They don't have to. And it's like you know, life goes on. So now, if, if, one, if one wife dies, if one wife dies, mm-hmm. so then she, is retro, then she is retroactively divorced from, from him before the temple service and married to the first one, or the second one, whichever one it is, before the temple service. So this way, he'll be married to one person in the temple service no matter what happens. That's what the Talmud says. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, page, page 13. Why don't you have to choose another coin to get this one? He's too complicated. Well, there is a designated coin also, but we don't, we're not going to get it. <laughs> there's a designated, in case he dies, or oh, something happens to him, there's a designated there's a coin oh, yeah. also. Because yeah. there has to be a coin, right? Otherwise, there's not going to be a coin for anybody. Yeah, right? You may, you may have to pull them out. <laughs> designated tie a rope on them. Right. Designated coin has two wives also? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Okay. Fine. Well, no, that's the opinion. The disagrees with Rabbi Huda. They say it goes on and on and on. So we don't have to have designated. But he holds you have to have designated. So the Gemara, we, we we don't even we don't the law is not according to Rabbi Huda. It's according to the majority. The majority disagrees with him. But according to Rabbi Huda, this is the mathematics. This is the way it has to work out. Okay. So now in the response, Rabbi Kiva Eger has of uh, it says. 
I have a much simpler solution to this case. I have something much simpler that can work out much better. Okay? Let him, let him, not, what if he has to marry two both of them and then divorce the both of them with a contingency? Okay? Let him marry one with a contingency and divorce one with a contingency. In other words, let him say like this. And this is the point of our discussion as far as, this is the point that we want to at least focus on in our discussion in terms of the proof. Okay? He says like this. Let him say he is now married to one wife. Right? Let him say to the second wife, here is your... I'm, I'm, you are married to me. Um, the condition that you are, condi- you are married to me before the temple service, on the condition that my wife passes away, right? But if his wife passes away, let's say three hours after the service starts, so the condition has been fulfilled and he's married to the other wife, right? Now he's married to two wives for three hours. So this, his original wife, he has to give her a divorce also in case she dies. He has to give her a divorce on, 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 on the condition that she dies. So that therefore, when the marriage of the other wife will be fulfilled, he's only going to be married to one instead of being married to two. That's what Vicky Vega says. Why didn't the Gemara tell us a more simpler, more simpler solution? Marry one of them with a contingency. In other words, make a kedushin, make a marriage ah, before Yom Kippur that will take place on Yom Kippur. Make, an, make a, um, a transaction, right? Make, a, make the transaction of Kiddushin before Yom Kippur that will take effect on Yom Kippur when you fulfill the contingency. So why didn't the Talmud give that example? So as Robert says, says Rabbi Akiva Eger, the reason why the Talmud didn't give this example is because you can't do that. Because you can't make an acquisition. You can't affect an acquisition before Shabbos, before Yom Kippur, that will take effect on Shabbos. Therefore, the Talmud has to come up, in the, to come up with a case where he was already married to the both of them before Yom Kippur started. So therefore, says Rabbi Akiva you see from this Talmudic discussion that one is not allowed to affect a sale on Friday, that it should take effect on Shabbos. Therefore, one cannot perform a pidyon aben on Friday, that it should take effect on Shabbos. Therefore, one cannot buy a cow in Texas on Friday so that the, that the, the acquisition should take place on Shabbos. Therefore, one cannot marry somebody before on Friday so that the marriage will take effect on Shabbos. That's, that's his, that is what uh, Rabbi Akiva Eber says. So, so now, now as, far as, we are, as far as we are holding now in our discussion, one is not allowed to perform a pidyon aben on Shabbos. I'm sorry, one is not allowed to perform a pidyon aben on Friday that it should take fa- effect on Shabbos. One is not allowed to buy a cow in Texas on Friday so that the acquisition should take place on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. And one is not allowed to do the same thing with anything else. And one is not allowed to marry somebody on the, conti- on, on the, on the condition that the marriage will take effect on Shabbos. That is we are, this, this is where we are now holding in the discussion. Okay. The, um, the grandson 
or the, I'm sorry, the son of the famous Rabbi Moshe Sofer. The Chassam Sofer wrote a responsa called the Kasaf Sofer. And in his responsa, he has, deals with the same exact question. And at first, he wants to disagree with, first he wants to disagree with everything that we just said. Mm-hmm. And he says like this, he says, why is one not allowed to, uh, why is one not allowed to do business on Shabbos? What's the reason for it? So Rashi tells us in the Sakhus Beta that the reason why one is not allowed to do business on Shabbos is twofold. Number one is, we are afraid, we are afraid that the person is going to write. We're afraid every business, tra- every business transaction, every business transaction requires a signing of a contract. Or most business transactions require a signing of a contract. So we're afraid that even if there is no contract, even if it's a verbal agreement, if we do business on Shabbos, we'll come to right. And we know that one of the 39 categories of productive work that one is not allowed to perform on Shabbos is right. So therefore, since the rabbis were afraid that if somebody does a business transaction on Shabbos, they are going to come, they're going, they're going to write. Therefore, they prohibited doing business on Shabbos. Okay? That's reason number one. Reason number two is, is because the, we derive from verses that one's conduct on Shabbos has to be different than their conduct is during the week. One should not speak of the same things or the same way on Shabbos that one speaks during the week. One should not walk the same way that one walks during the week. One should be more leisurely, walk with a little bit more relaxation. Right? There should be more of an atmosphere in general about more of an atmosphere in general as far as, when, as, far as Shabbos is concerned in the way that one conducts himself. Right? That's why we don't speak about business matters on Shabbos, we speak about Torah or other things, right? Unless it's a mitzvah, unless we're making a shidduch, then, right, whatever it may be, some kind of mitzvah, we cannot talk about business transactions on Shabbos. So that, that's why, that's why one is not allowed to do business on Shabbos. Those are the two reasons. So says the Kasaf Sofer, if, that is the, if, that, if those are the two reasons why one is not allowed to do business on Shabbos, and then our case should be permissible. Again, what is our case? Our case is, is that we make a business deal. Philip and I make a business deal. Right? I'm going to buy his cow. I'm going to buy his red, uh, red heifer in Texas. So I come to Friday. We go to lunch in the Scottsdale Kosher Market. Right? And we sit down. And I say to him, okay, here's the, here's the contract. Let's sign it. I get the cow. It's mine. Right? But I want the acquisition to take effect on Chavez. So it says the Kasab Sofa, not Philip and I are sitting on Shabbos, and we're eating a cholent. We're singing out mirrors, we're not talking about business, we don't even know anything about it, we're not even thinking it, right? We're reading our, our, our children's posture sheets, at least I am. Right? right? So, so whatever it is that we're doing, I'm still young enough to read my, my children's posture sheets. Right? So we're still, we're still, we're still doing it, we're, we're, we're completely not thinking about it. So is the problem that I'm going to come and write? Now, on Shabbos during the day, when the acquisition takes place, no, there's no problem going to come right. Is there a problem that I'm going to talk about the transaction? No, because the transaction is taking effect on its own. It's automatic. We already set it in motion. Right? We already set it in motion. What can we do? 
So therefore, there should be no problem. So therefore, the Kasab Sofer says that there should be no problem. You should be allowed to, you should be allowed to do the transaction. You should be allowed to do the transaction on, you should be allowed to do the transaction on Friday so it should take effect on Shabbos. But what would be the significance of it taking effect on Shabbos? Why couldn't it take effect Shabbos was over. I, I, I'm not sure. It doesn't, it, we're speaking theoretically. As far as the Pekin Abed is concerned, right, the significance is clear. The mitzvah is to do it on the, 30, on the 30th day. For whatever reason, whatever reason, I'm doing it, right, we want to know whether we can do it or not. The reason why we're discussing it is because, look, if I, you know, do I, I'm going to have to shut down my website. I'm going to have to shut down my vending machine. And if, if it's refrigerated, then I'm not going to uh, store perishable items in it. There's a ramification of the discussion. Okay. Now, the Gustav Sofer happens to be the grandson of Rabbi Akiva Eger. <laughs> right? Which is a problem because, because uh, Rabbi Akiva Eger is his grandfather. And Rabbi Akiva Eger says that it is prohibited. So therefore he says that it is my opinion that it should be permissible, but if my Zeta says that it's prohibited, I cannot argue with him. Right? Because his... Uh, and especially, Rabbi Kivager takes up a lot of space in general as a halachic decisor. And therefore, if you say his name is Rabbi Kivager, it's very, it's, 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 it's not, uh, it, it doesn't make sense to argue. And therefore, in his responsa, he retracts from his position and says that I agree that it is prohibited. That, that is his opinion. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, well, uh, yeah, okay, he does, I don't know, yeah, I'm not sure if he, I didn't see the Ksat Sofer inside, I don't know whether he discusses the proof from the wives from, uh, from the, the Yom Kippur service. I don't, yeah. okay. So it could be that because of that reason, he, he, can't, he can't disagree with uh, Rabbi Kivega's analysis. Fine. Now, there is, there is somebody that disagrees. Rabbi Meir Simcha Hakohen of, uh, of Dvinsk, in his commentary on the, on the, on the Rambam, on Maimonides, in the place where he discusses about business transactions on Shabbos, in his commentary, he brings up the same question that we are discussing. Is one allowed to, again, start a transaction on Friday that it should be complete on Shabbos? And he says that he has a proof from the Jerusalem Talmud. The Jerusalem Talmud says like this. The Jerusalem Talmud says that the Jerusalem Talmud says that one, we know that if a person is a Kohen, right? If a person is a Kohen, so he has entitlements that all the rest of the Jewish people have to give him from their produce, from their animals. One of the first things that they have to give from the produce is truma. They have to give truma. Truma is whatever amount you choose of whatever produce you have, as far as biblically concerned at least, you have to go and give it to the coin. So the question is on whether or not you're allowed to do it on Shabbos. Are you allowed to do it on Shabbos? Or, right, are you allowed to give it to the, are you allowed to set it aside that it should be truma before Shabbos, that it should become true, uh, that it should become truma on Shabbos? That's the question. So I think that the Jerusalem Talmud says that it's permissible. Mm-hmm. It's permissible. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that, if I remember correctly. Right? You're allowed to do that. 
you're allowed to set aside, you're allowed to affect setting aside Shuma before Shabbos that it should take place on Shabbos. That is the, the, that's what he says. So he says, look, okay. you see from this Jerusalem Talmud, what? Is there a question of carrying? I mean, because the Kohen can't see and take the Shuma on Shabbos. What? Well, no, one is not allowed to set aside Shuma on Shabbos. But you say you set aside on Friday, it would take effect on Saturday. Right. Shabbos. Right. What does that mean in terms of does the Kohen actually go on Shabbos and get it? Or he could. He could. He could come and take it, yeah. He could he, come and take he it. Can carry it on Shabbos? Yeah, it's food. You know, he's going to eat it. Yeah. So okay. So like it's approved. So the, like Robin said, it seems like it's approved. You see, you could do a transaction Friday that will take effect on Shabbos. Right? That's what the Orson Mass says. He says, he says, you see clearly that it's a, that it's a reality that one is allowed no to do it. There's no bracha, right. So therefore you should be allowed to do it. Okay? What do you mean? Well, yeah, fine. If, uh, no, but we're talking about specifically that case. In that case, you see you're allowed to do it. That's what he says. Right, but, but fine. So, picking up won't work because of the bracha, but the other business transaction, the, the, you know, I'll be able to buy the cow in Texas from Philip. That's what it's going to be. Okay, so that's what he says. He says you should be allowed to do it. Okay? So, so, so uh, there's another, another respondent called the Imre Yosha who says that he disagrees. He wants to defend the position that says that you're not allowed to do it. Wiley, what did you say? That you're not allowed to do it, right? Okay, so he wants to defend Wiley's position. Okay? And he says as follows. He says, what? Right. The Imre Yosha. Remember that? Remember that name. The Imre Yosha says as follows. He says, what is the reason one is not allowed to take Shuma on Shabbos? Why not? So he says, why? Because produce that is sitting all together in one pile, one is not allowed to eat it. It's not kosher. So if you go to Israel, right, and there's produce, and one has not uh, done anything to it, Arena, you're going to Israel, right? So if there's produce, you're not allowed to eat it. Because it's not kosher until you take away Truma for the Kohen and Meister for the Kohen. That's why produce that comes from Israel needs extra, needs to be certified kosher. So you can't just buy produce that comes from Israel unless you know that it's been certified by a reliable kosher kosher agent, right? How does that work here again? If it comes from Israel, if it, if you know if you want to buy oranges, uh, what do they call them? Uh, Jaffa. Jaffa oranges. So you have to know where they come from. Because if, you, if there's no certifying agency, they're not kosher. Because they, we have to know that somebody took away truma that was supposed to go to the coin from the oranges. Produce that grows in the land of Israel requires that they should be given the 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 uh, that there should be a separation of truma and mitzvahs. So the shmita is a different is a different situation. The shmita is a different situation. Fine. So now it's not kosher. You have to be careful, right? Right. But I'm saying it's not the same, right? So why are you not allowed? So, so what happens? The produce is sitting there, and it's useless. So not all produce is kosher. Right. Hmm. So the produce is sitting there, and it's useless. It's not kosher. How do I fix it? How do I make it kosher? I take away the proper amount of oranges that I need to take away to give to the lady and the colleague. Now I made it kosher. Hmm. So what did I do? I, in effect, fixed the produce. I fixed it, right? One is not allowed to fix 
something, complete something on Shabbos. So the reason why why can't take Truma on Shabbos is because what are they doing? They are completing something. They're fixing it. They're making it into a final product. It should have been on the weekday. And that, that's why you can't do that. On, that's why you can't do that on Shabbos. Okay? Fine. Now, if you do it, okay, that's the reason why, that's why, that's the reason why you can't do Truma. Now, why can't you do a business transaction? Why can't you do a business transaction? Uh, why can't you do a business transaction on, um, on Shabbos? So we said, the reason why you can't do a business transaction is because maybe you'll come to write. Maybe you'll come, maybe you'll come to write and you're not allowed to write on Shabbos. What does it mean? Maybe you'll come to do a malacha. Maybe you'll come to do one of the categories of work of writing on Shabbos. That's why you can't do it. Okay? Is that the only reason? The two reasons. No, the other one reason is because it looks because you're supposed to conduct yourself in a different way. That's right. Fine. Fine. So now, are you allowed to start a category of work before Shabbos so that it should continue on Shabbos? No. Yes. Wiley, I must disagree. No, there are exceptions. Like cooking, for example. That you cannot do. But for example, you can leave your lights on on Shabbos on Friday. The lights are burning. You can leave them on, even on Shabbos. Your air conditioner. You can leave your air conditioner working, even though you can't turn it on on Shabbos. You can leave it working on Shabbos. There's no problem with that. I know where you're eating. Once you get the ball rolling on Shabbos, there's no problem. Right? There's no problem. So now... Can you benefit from it? Yeah. We, we benefit from the fan, from the air conditioner, from the from the electricity, from the light. We benefit from it. So if I have uh, an employee who works on Friday and he gets a call from a guy to go and do something, some work, and he goes on Saturday. Now, I'm not even aware of that, okay? And the guy goes and does the work for him. On Sunday, I realized that uh, you benefited from that transaction on Shabbat. That you, can't, that you cannot do. That you, but that's a separate discussion. What are you saying? Can you set in motion something that you would not be able to do on Shabbat that it should continue on Shabbat, it continue on Shabbat itself? So the answer is yes, you can. Okay. Okay? Does that make sense? Fine. Wait. And what about completing something on Shabbos? So you can't, you can't complete something on Shabbos. Also. Oh, you, can you set an emotion that will become complete? What will be the, what's, yeah. the, what's the case? I don't know. The cow. It's, it's I guess. The, the produce is the only thing you were saying. Oh, oh, oh. Able to have you have to take well, no, that, that was a different reasoning. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get that so We're going to get to that soon. Um, the acquisition of the cow I'm sorry? Right, no, but that's not completing an item. That's not completing an item. That's not, um, uh, you know, completing an item means that you're, let's say, you're, you're making a leather jacket. So, so the last thing that you have to do that the leather jacket will be complete is that which you're not allowed to do. So making a sale is not... Making a sale is a different... It's not, it's not, you're not creating something which you completed with that action. It's a transaction instead of a... 
instead of a creation of a, of a particular item or you know like a, like a garment or a, a shoe or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'll let you, I mean, go on, but it's not incomplete. The sale's not incomplete once the cows are quite. Yeah, no, it, you are completing the sale and you're finishing up, but you're not creating something. It's not a category of work. It's a, the completing of the sales. We're afraid that you're going to come and write. You you're going to write something, but you're but. Yeah, okay, so one more thing. This is what we're saying. So he says as follows. He says that you're allowed to set something in motion to complete it. Therefore, you're allowed to set a category of work in motion so that it should become complete on on, on Shabbos. Right? You're allowed to uh, set your air conditioner on Friday so that you continue to function on on Shabbos. You're allowed to set your lights on Friday so that they continue to function on Shabbos, right? Isn't it different because that that doesn't have a a beginning and an end. You you set it on Friday, you could be setting it for Friday, it just happens to be on Saturday, but the sale is a beginning and an end point on Shabbos. And it's actual consummation of the deal. Yeah, I mean, there's a beginning and an end. Or late, there's no beginning and an end. It's true, that is a good distinction, but I think that we're not distinguishing. If it would be an end to the light, then you would be allowed to set the light in motion, whatever its end would be. You wouldn't be like Yeah. If it would be an end. Yeah, obviously. You can't turn it out. If it burned out, you'd be okay. But you're not allowed to complete it. You're not allowed to... No, it just happens to be circumstantial that the light continues to burn. But you see from the fact that you were allowed to turn on the light on Friday to let it to continue to function on Shabbos, that you're allowed to set something in motion before a category of work in motion in order that it should, in order that it should continue afterwards. Right? What if the light bulb burns out? Then it, Are you allowed then it to change it? Out. No, 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 you cannot change it. <laughs> no. I thought you were going to go to intent. I thought you were going to you start something on a Friday with the intention of it being completed on, on Shabbos, then you, you cannot do it. Because you mentioned something before about starting the action. If you started a month before and it happens to complete on Shabbos, coincidentally, but if your intent is for it to complete on Shabbos, I would think that would contradict contradict the laws of Shabbos. Okay, I, I think I'm, I, I must cut the discussion because we have, I have to stop at, at 8 o'clock. So let's, for the moment, let's skip the, the defense of this position right, and get to, the, get to our discussion. Although I, I, I feel kind of bad that we are not we're not completing this uh, the discussion, but be that as it may, right? Rabbi Akiva Eger holds that it's prohibited. I'm sorry, what do you say, though? Touch upon the interest in the Yinger. Right. Yeah. So we're, let's just let's let's let, let's finish up because I we're 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 uh, unfortunately out of time, but I'd love to continue this discussion because it's uh, it's very I- involved. Okay. Bottom line is is that we see that most of the commentaries hold that it's prohibited to set something in motion on Friday that it should be complete on Shabbos. Okay? Fine. Okay. Now, the uh, Dayan Weiss, in his response to the Minchas Yitzhak, was asked about vending machines. Okay? Mm-hmm. And he says, at first thought, that you, what is, how does a vending machine function? What happens? Somebody puts money I set up the vending machine before Shabbos. I set it up wherever I set it up, right? And then somebody comes in, puts money into the vending machine, and makes a transaction. Correct? 
Am I allowed to do that? So, at first, the Minchas Yitzhak says that you see from this Rabbi Akiva Eger, from the whole discussion that we just had until now, which you didn't complete, but from the whole discussion that we had until now, you see that you cannot create the circumstances before Shabbos where it will, the, the, it, everything will be set in motion for a transaction to be complete on Shabbos itself. So therefore, Rabbi Kiva Eger should hold that a vending machine is prohibited. Okay? So, Dain Weiss basically says that there are those that disagree with him and say that it is permissible. And basically, he gives the following conditions in order for this to work. He says that there are two things that happen in a vending machine. Number one is, we have the seller, and we have, number two, the buyer. The seller provides with his machine the candy that comes out of the vending machine. The buyer provides the money. When the buyer puts in the money, the vending machine spits out the particular candy that he wants to buy. So the seller is acquiring the money, which goes into his possession, which is the vending machine, and the buyer is acquiring the candy, which goes into his possession when he, when, when he takes it. Okay. So he says that, <clears throat> first of all, this type of machine cannot be on the premises of a Jew. In other words, let's say, it's in a shul where non-Jews come, right? A non-Jew can't walk into the shul, put money into the vending machine, and walk out with candy. Because no matter what the apparatus does, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how it functions, yeah. it just doesn't look right. Because people are saying that the Jew, so-and-so, Plony, the candy man who owns the vending machine, just sold a chocolate bar to the non-Jew. That's number one condition. The vending machine cannot be on, a prem, on Jewish premises. Number two condition is, is that the, the buyers obviously cannot be Jewish. It cannot be in a place where the buyers are going to be Jewish because obviously they can't take money and put it into the, into the machine. Right? <clears throat> Number two is, nobody should know and this is an easy one, right? Nobody should know that the vending machine is owned by a Jew. So when everybody's walking in Arizona Mills, and they're walking, they see a vending machine or whatever, right? You can't say, uh, Yonko's, uh, Yonko's candy on the machine. Because <laughs> if everybody knows that it's a Jewish machine, then people will say, oh, look, Yonko is, uh, is open for business on Shabbos. Call it the mitzvah machine. See? <laughs> yeah, the mitzvah machine. So you can't, so you can't do that either. Okay. Now, Back to the transaction. When the money goes in, the non-Jew puts the money into the machine, Yanko acquires the money. And not only does Yanko acquire the money, but Yanko is also relinquishing possession of his candy to the non-Jew. So this, these two problems can be avoided by the following condition. Yanko should say, I was told today that Yanko should say in front of three people, that when the candy comes out in front of the in, for, in, out of the machine for the non-Jew, 
he should have in mind that the acquisition should really be taking place retroactively from Friday. As soon as the non-Jew takes the candy, it was really his. It was, it, the condition that he has to make is, is that it was really his on Friday, not now, on Shabbos when he bought it. Retroactively, the acquisition, right? It, it, in other words, he, knowing that he would come on Shabbos to take this candy, he could have actually gone and taken it on Friday, then done the transaction on Shabbos, because retroactively would have been his on Friday. Anybody who buys candy from this machine at 12 o'clock noon on Shabbos, it is really his on Friday noon. Therefore, somebody can break into the machine, take the candy, Friday 1 o'clock in the afternoon, then go and buy it on Shabbos, put the money in on Shabbos, because retroactively it's going to be his afternoon on, on Friday. So therefore you can put that type of condition on the sale and say that it is, you could put that type of condition on the sale and say that that retroactively the transaction really started on Friday. Okay, so that takes care of the candy. Now, what about the money that goes into into the the money that goes into um, into the machine? So the machine belongs to Yanko, and now Yanko acquires it with his property. The machine is the property of Yanko, and Yanko is acquiring the the the, the, the money, right? So what should he do? So Yanko could say, I don't want the money. But that's a problem because it's Yanko's property. How can you not want the money? It's, 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 it's your property. So the truth is, your property can only acquire something for you if you don't know anything about it. In other words, if I would come and take a dollar and I would throw it in Jackie's backyard, it would be his. Because his property acquired the dollar for him. However, if Jackie would say, I don't want to acquire this dollar. I don't want it. So when you throw it in my backyard, I'm not taking possession of it, even though it's in my property. So Jackie can do that. Right? Jackie can do that. So the same way the vending, the Yanko, the vendor, the, the vending machine owner can also say, even though the dollar is coming into, into, my, into my machine on Shabbos, right? Into my machine on Shabbos, I have in mind not to acquire it until Moses Shabbos, until after Shabbos is over. That's what Yanko could say. the transaction on Friday, so wouldn't he also acquire the money on Friday? No, because the money is coming, he's acquiring the money now, but retroactively he's selling, he's, 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 he's allowing him to take possession of it on Friday. He's allowing him to take possession on Friday, but not, but he wouldn't acquire the money, or he would acquire the money on Shabbat. Well, the, the money is coming to him on Shabbat. No, it's, it's retro, retroactively, you can't but say you didn't get... he's also really making the transaction on Shabbat. I don't know. He's asking the question. I guess I understand that. Yeah, because he's getting the candy bar on Shabbat, but it's saying that he's saying that he's getting it on Friday, right? He's getting it on Friday. Right. So why can't you say the same thing? You know, when I get the money on, when I get the money, I'm really, I'm really acquiring it on, uh, I'm really acquiring it on. Uh, he's after buying it on really on Friday because he yeah. should really be getting the money. On well, Friday. I'm not getting the money though on Friday. Yeah. He's literally not getting the money on Friday because obviously he's making the transaction on Shabbat. But he said, I didn't understand the whole part, but he said no, he's the transaction started on Friday. Yeah, so once he, he, he makes the exactly, so once he makes the transaction, he should really no. technically be getting the money once he makes the transaction. No, but the transaction was completed on Saturday, right? I think it's just a vending machine. It's a continuous functioning thing. It doesn't. It hasn't got start stop start stop. It's like you put it out. It's no, but there's a transaction that's happening now. The transaction that's happening right now. Okay. You know, 
It seems to me that anyone who owns a retail store could use the same logic. Yeah. You know, it's because a vending machine is, is a retail mm -hmm. apparatus. Don't don't uh, th these conclusions that we are coming to is for is for academics only. Don't try this at home. Ask your local <laughs> rabbi. That's the, that's the bottom line. Every specific case requires. Uh, uh, this is a dodge to get around the halakha. I mean, I say I'm not going to. I'm going to do this transaction on Friday, but I get the money on Saturday. This guy is going to buy the candy on Saturday, but he really bought it on Friday. I mean, and I'm not going to. I I have one thing. I have news. I I have I have breaking news for you. Uh, Paul, breaking news is is that halacha is liberal. We are not religious. It's whatever the law says is what we do. And if the law says that it's permissible, it's permissible. What do you mean you're dodging halacha? No, the halacha says permissible. What halacha are you dodging when it says you're allowed to do it? What are you dodging? And you're, and, and you're, you're not saying, doing business shopping. You're sitting at home eating chocolate. Yeah, but, but, you, but, but you have a, you, it's just like you have a store. You can say, I got a store, and I, I use the same logic, but I'm not in the store. The store is open. You would have to, you would have to, you're using the same logic, but you're giving a generality. Perhaps, maybe, yes. But you would have to tell me the specifics of the case before we can determine. Now we're talking the vending machine. In the particular case of the vending machine, he says that it could well, be permissible. Well, I thought if you own a store and you're Jewish, that's what we said. Nobody can know. Nobody can know that you own the, the, the vending machine. Nobody can know. It's a Jew. When when cautious losses, you know his original original cautious lost his certification. He took it away from him because he was Jewish and he had to store open on shops. That was the whole logic. Yeah. Therefore, what? So they took his certification. Away. We just said that that's prohibited. A Jew can't do business. I can't, can't have a store that's under his name. They're doing business on shopping. Well, here's the guy that has a vending machine that's under his name. So that's what we said. It's prohibited. If everybody knows it's his machine, it's prohibited. It has to be nobody knows that it's his machine. Okay. That's what we said. We must have cut the machine down on Shabbos. He could. He could do that. That would be a good solution. Yeah, he can do that. But he wants to keep the money, though. What I would do, I would just put a sign out of order. Come back on Sunday. What? Oh, you can't do it. can't do it. You have to wait until Sunday. Okay, unfortunately, we are out of time. I must apologize. Um... As far as the internet is concerned, it would be probably un